What's up, church? What's up, church? Oh, man, it's kind of quiet in here. This is weird. I'm going to try that again. What's up, church? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I like it when people talk back to me. So, you know, talk back to me. Tell me that's good or tell me that sucks or throw a pineapple. I don't know. Whatever. Do something. All right. <laughs> Let's dive straight into Scripture. I'm going to get straight, straight to the point. Uh, Jesus is really, really amazing, and we love him. And, uh, yeah. So we're going to go into Matthew 7, uh, 21 through 23 today. And I want to do something different um, than we normally do. I want to stand today in honor of reading the word. So if everybody would stand, um, just read the word together. Um, amen. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do that. Um, so you guys will read the word with me. Um, waiting for everybody to have it really quickly. All right, I think everybody has it. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Um, God, today as your word goes forth, I ask that it would be your word and not my own. Um, I decrease that you may increase, God. Um, at the end of the day, I want this to be pleasing to you. We want this gathering to please to be pleasing to you. We want this gathering to be fruitful to you, God. Um, not just a time for us to be entertained or us to be encouraged, God. For that to be pleasing to you, God, be fine. We find it pleasing in your sight, God. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear, Lord. Um, just have your way, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. You guys be seated. All right. So let's break down the scripture. I really, really love this passage. When I heard we're doing the sermon, I was like, ooh, like, let's a whole three chapters of some change. You want to talk about that? Like, that's a lot. Um, I just had flashbacks of doing 16 weeks of Acts um, last year. <laughs> and so let's, let's look at verse 21. Um, it says, not everyone that saith unto me, sorry, my notes are in, um, Good old King James. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So there's a condition here, right? And the condition is basically like, do the will of my Father. And that seems really, really simple. But if it was so simple, then I think Jesus wouldn't have to necessarily say this portion. And this, this whole passage would be kind of void if it was that simple. So let's explore what the will of God means. Um, there, there are two things in Scripture where you see the will of God. Um, the first one being, um, you know, the thing that nobody knows the thoughts of um, except the Father. It's what Paul writes. Um, or not Paul. Yes, Paul. Paul writes it. He says, no one knows the will except the Father. It's the thing that though it happens. It's God's will. This isn't God's will. That, that's, that's one. And this will that Jesus is talking about is the command will of God. Okay, and that's the will of God that refers to what he instructs you to do. He says, do this. Love these people. Love these people. That, 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 is, that is the will of God. And so we see a couple of examples. I just want to point out a few today of what the command will of God is that applies to all the saints. Um, and it, it's really, really, really easy. So love. We see that the greatest commandment that Jesus has given us. Um, love the Lord with all your, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And with all your soul and with all your mind, this is the greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love the neighbor as you love yourself. Um, 
All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. And that's Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Um, you may find it elsewhere, um, but it is there in Matthew. Um, and basically, the thing that is kicker about this is all the laws and commandments hang on this. And so, if you think about the Old Testament, think about all the different things where, the, even the Ten Commandments, the first one is, you should have no other God before me, right? So, love, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, body, soul, strength. Um, and the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. You think about all, most of the rest of the commandments, right? Don't steal from your neighbor. Don't kill your neighbor. Don't um, t- want your neighbor's things. You know, don't lie on your neighbor. All it has to do with how you should love your neighbor. So those two things are really, really simple. And everything in the Bible is hinged upon these two commands. And that's, that's why we just had a whole sermon series on it because it it's that important. Everything that you find in the Bible, everything that we believe, everything that we should be doing, every way that we walk, hinges upon those two commandments. Love the God, love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as you love yourself, okay? So the second thing we'll see, um, or my second example, will be self-control and discipline. And Paul writes this um, and expounds upon this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, and 5. Um, it just says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body, Ooh, control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in a passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Um, if you look at the, the conditions with there, like, if you don't do this, you're like the pagans who don't know God. And I, I don't think that's any place that we want to be, especially after reading what Jesus is just saying. Like, we don't want to be those people who don't know God. Uh, we'll move on. That's a, that's a little weighty. Um, the next one, <laughs> rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Um, find that in First Thessalonians uh, 5, 16 through 18. Um, it says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for Christ, for you in Christ Jesus. And this is something I think that a lot of us suck at. I suck at sometimes, Okay. You don't always feel like rejoicing. Very few of us pray continually. And a lot of us don't give thanks in all circumstances. And I think it's so amazing that he includes that portion, that Paul writes that portion in there. Like, yo, it doesn't matter if, you know, your car died. It doesn't matter if your dog is running through the woods. I still want you to rejoice. I still want you to pray continually. I still want you to give thanks, even if you lose your job. You lose your house, you lose your car. I want you to do all of these continually. And, that, and that's something. And it's not, he, I don't think Paul is saying, like, you know, get down on your knees and God, like, all day, like, spend 24 hours. That's not what he's saying when he's saying to pray continually. But talk to me. Talk to God continually. That's what he wants from us. Communicate with me. Oh, God, that moment just sucked. Or I have a, I have a, I have a coworker, and he's amazing at this. And something I want to I go. It doesn't matter what it is. He will stop in the middle of a conversation and say, let's pray. Nick's nodding their head because you know exactly what I'm talking about. And when I first, and I first, like, got to work, I was like, boy, this boy prays a lot. Like, Jesus, can you just pray at the end? Like, can we have our meeting? Then you pray for all the issues. I don't even write them down for you. But I think there's something to be said that, God, I'm going to give you the first of all the issues. So before I let this be a worry for me, I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to you. And then I'm going to tell you thank you. Okay, there's something in there, that for me. Last one, um, last example, and there's plenty more, is abide. Um, 
And, and it says in 1 John 2, 16 through 17, uh, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life come not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Other versions say abides forever. And then I, I know that there's, there's three things as a community that we're looking at this year. Um, and abide is one of those things. What does it look like for us to just spend time knowing God, loving God, being in communion with God? And that's, that's one of the things we seek to do, okay? Let's, let's move on to um, verse 22. I'm not going to be before you guys long today. It's really short. I think the word is really simple. Um, verse 22, it says that many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. This is the part that is so crazy to me. Um, first off, on that day, like that day is like a holiday. It should be like a holiday for believers, right? That's the day when Jesus comes back and he makes that his bride perfect. He says, you get in, you don't get in. You get in, you don't get in. You definitely don't get in. You get in, you don't get in. Okay? That's, that's, that's the day we're talking about. Um, and Jesus is saying, like, there, there are three objections that people have, and I can just imagine, I can see the scene painted out before me. Like, prophesy. Okay, God, we prophesied. We said, in the name of Jehovah, you get a car or whatever. And that, that kind of stuff happens. Note that there is, like, more than one type of prophecy, okay? So there are, there are it is, you know, prophecy to say God said he's going to bless you with the new Range Rover. And that's what he wants to tell you. A lot of times he doesn't necessarily want to tell you that. that that's the caveat to that. He does not always want to tell you what he's going to bless you with. Because if you knew it, you would lose your mind. Okay? Um, the, the second one would be God proclaiming the truth or God using someone to proclaim the truth that's in his word. And that often one is a prophecy that we don't like to hear. Because God's word is sharpening in two-edged sword and all that jazz. We don't want, we don't want to hear that. Um, the next thing they said, the next objection, God, we, you know, we cast out demons in your name. Um, exorcism, casting out demons, casting out demonic spirits. Isn't that something we normally have, we, we do here at UCG? Um, I don't think we've ever encountered that um, as a community in a service. Maybe some of us have done that outside of the service, but we haven't necessarily done that here. Um, and this is, this is something. It's something... Um, that, that people that people do, and you even find in different parts of Scripture where you have people who are not disciples doing that. Um, very specifically in First John, um, the disciples John or not First John, sorry, in in John, John came to Jesus and said, Jesus, he was casting out spirits um, in your name, and we told him to stop. And Jesus said, Don't tell him to stop. So if he's not for if he's not against me, then he's for me. And so that everybody can, you have the power to do that. Some of these demons only come out by prayer and fasting. Uh, please note that before you try to call out any kind of demon or demonic spirit. You know, sometimes you got to pray or fast or else you'll just be looking a little silly. Um, the third thing, wonderful works. God, didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? Wonderful works are things like miracles. We healed the sick. Um, I was going to say raise the dead, but I don't know anybody who's done that yet besides Jesus. Um, but we healed the sick. Um, we we helped people just do crazy, amazing things. Um, and, and that's the things that we normally see, like we see prophets and famous pastors and creepy televangelists do, right? And so, but you have to look at the context of this. All these things that they were doing are the common things that like 
they would be doing in that time. You look at it like, God, I didn't, I'm not doing any things. I'm not prophesying in your name. You know, this don't apply to me. I didn't prophesy. I'm not death, not casting on demons, and I'm not performing any miracles. So, does this passage really apply to me? Yes. Like, in the context, these are all the things they did. And today, what does this look like? God, I led worship in your name. Tell about myself. God, I led a city group in your name. God, I preached the word in your name. God, I gave that man on the, on the corner $5 in your name. God, I did not cuss out this lady in your name. <laughs> I want to be really real because we're all like, oh, no, I don't buy No, we all do these things. We, there are plenty of things that we say that we do or, you know, God, I was nice to my neighbor today because that's what you asked me to do. And that was in your name. And God's like, nah. <laughs> so... There are even things that we do, like, God, I went to church under the bridge. God, I started a nonprofit. Lord, I did city kids for you. Sometimes that's, that, that takes a lot, and you really do do it for him. Um, <laughs> I worked in elementary right now. Um, so, and he still says, depart from me, I never knew you. Like, in my mind, I see this being tragically hilarious. Like, this is a scene I don't want to be a part of. Um, I really don't want to be a part of it. I'm not even sure if I really want to see it, but I think it will still be funny um, to see. Because, I, I don't know, in my, in my mind, there's a, one of my kids, he uses this phrase. Um, Nikki, Nikki told you guys last week that we just got back from camp, and so I spent a lot of time with this kid. And he uses this phrase to object to any and everything, right? Um, and so I decided to include it in Trey's uh, new translation, right? So we're going to read Trey's new translation of this passage. Um, let's go. In the last days where I'm telling people if they can get in or not, not everybody who drops my name will get into heaven. Some of y'all clowns will come to me saying, hey, Jesus, <laughs> this should be real easy. Don't cap. We were prophesying in your name and casting out spirits. Shoot, some of us even had healing services, okay? We had prayer service all night, every Tuesday. Hello. Um, let's, let's get it. And I will interrupt them saying, and this is where he comes in, Paul's. That's besides the point. Okay? I don't know you. As a matter of fact, I have never known you, clowns. Be blessed. And so, if you never heard of that, that's like a term of dismissal. It's really nice. It's almost like, um, what's a southern saying that we have? Uh, bless your heart. That's it. Be blessed. Bless your heart. It's saying along the same lines. Um, but that, that's, what I, that's what I would imagine this, this picture, like this scene going in my head. And I don't know. Raise your hand if you know who Soldier Boy is. Anyone? Yeah, a couple. Everybody. Yes. I love this church. Okay, so I imagine that scene where he has like that, like he has that face. I don't know if you've seen the meme, but he's like, in my name, like I imagine that's where Jesus is like, y'all are tripping. In my name, nah. And I, I think it's really, really funny how Jesus is still saying like, I don't know you. The message puts it a little less ratchetly, um, and so we'll read that really quickly for you guys. Uh, knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, is, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God sparked this project, had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. 
So I think the question that arises after this is how do we do all these things in his name and still not know him? And I, th- I really, really think it's because we, we switched up knowing of him with knowing of him. And so as a, as a culture in the, in the 21st century, in this day and age, we have tons of facts. Okay, we have Google. That, that tops a lot of different things. But we have Google, and this, there's knowledge that's passed down about Jesus and all these things about church um, and that, we can, that we can find on Google. So, for instance, right, Jesus, had a, Jesus was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Historians will tell you that. It's not in the Bible. These are outside the Bible examples, okay? So Jesus had a, was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He had a brother named James. He was known to perform miracles. His crucifixion was accompanied by darkness and an earthquake. He had lots of disciples. <laughs> it's great. And this is some of the evidence that you can find, like, just by doing a Google search. is what historians have wrote, and they, they find it with people who are not in the Bible listing, um, famous people with Greek and Roman names, just like Theopolis and all that great jazz, just writing notes and saying, this is what happened. And Jesus is listed in there. And we know all of these great things about Jesus. We learn stuff about Jesus from pop culture, like, even if it's nothing else. I don't know anybody who doesn't know, like, the song, like, Jesus Loves Little Children. Jesus loves the little children. I don't know anybody who doesn't know. Like, um, he's got the whole world in his hands. These are all things that we learn about Jesus from pop culture. And we learn all these things about her, him. We know, we know all of these different things that we can do, right? So if I say God is good, you say, and all the time, okay? If I say, maybe somebody, some people may not won't know this one. Won't he do it? Okay, that's, that's close. Yeah. So we, we know a lot of different things. We know, you know, if the communion is stale, the bread and the juices. Oh, we know that. We know all these things. We know how to do church. We know what it looks like to, to do a spontaneous worship moment. Um, I was at a conference a couple months ago. I won't tell you what conference it was. Um, and the, the fire alarm went off, right? And the person that's singing just, God, we want your holy fire. Send your holy fire. And I'm like, is this a God moment or... Are you just a great writer? Like, is this really spontaneous or is it not? But we can do all of these things, right? We have the skills to, to put on church service. We have the skills to make Sunday gathering effective. We can even do Bible study. Like, we can go online, find a sermon, and then, you know, take it to another place and tell everybody what the sermon said. Um, it's really, really easy. There's nothing simple. There's nothing, I'm sorry, there's nothing hard or difficult about that. And everybody knows about Jesus, there's nothing in this room that separates us from people outside of this room from knowing all these facts about Jesus. Matthew 5 and 45 says, Jesus says, uh, he calls us the son. This is a different translation. All right. So that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. There is nothing that says God's not like, hey, you can't know about me because you're not saved. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say that you get blessed because you're not saved. Or he doesn't say you get blessed because you're saved. Everybody gets a portion of God's grace. Everybody also gets the portions of his discipline, right? Okay, so all all of this knowledge that we have and we still don't know him and we still don't see him. I think of it like this. I think of the beehive, um, Beyonce's fans. So 
I don't know, in this church, I feel like we have a quota to meet pop culture references, and I like to fill all of them. Um, <laughs> but Beyonce, right? So, you know, all of her hate, uh, and I'm not, not hating on Beyonce. I love, I love Beyonce. She's cool. Um, but all of her fans know all these things about her. They know her whole government name. Um, they know who she's married to. They know her kid's name. They know her birthday. Um, I think there was even <laughs> on, on on Twitter a couple of weeks ago there was a thing like would you would you make it as Beyonce's manager and like people take these quizzes and they all fail and be, or would you get fired? And it's really really interesting concept. Like what what kind of coffee does Beyonce like? Well, there are things that people actually pass this test and they know about this person. But yeah, Beyonce saw them on the street. They would probably get one of those weird church hugs that we get out, right? Like. Hey, love you. Bye. It'd be really weird. So all these people know all these things about Beyonce, know all the lyrics to her songs, but they don't know her. And when do we draw the line of becoming a fan of Jesus and doing some of the things that he does versus knowing him? I, I can't imagine knowing all these things about God Standing here on Sundays and leading worship and, and teaching and doing all the other things that I do crazy. I don't know. You can put yourself in this own space. But then get into the gates and Jesus is like, new phone, who this? Right? Doesn't work. Okay? So in the, in the little bit of this sermon, this little bit of the Sermon on the Mount screams at the precipice of the gospel. God desires, he wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to know him. And to know him, not just to know him, but to know him as Lord. Those are two different things. I can know Jesus and not know him as Lord. And so I think about when you get to know someone, you start making adjustments, right? So as, like, by nature, I'm not really a hugger, okay? But, you know, 97% of the body of Christ is. And so <laughs> people are like, hey! And I'm like... Oh, we just hugged last week. Um, <laughs> what's it look like? But because I know, but because I know that this is how this person shows love, this is how this person wants to relate to me, let's, let's do this. I don't really want to, but we're going to do it anyway because I know how this, and slowly but surely I'm like, okay, I won't say I'm not a hugger, but, you know, I could, I could care less. Um, and so what does it look like to know Jesus and our actions change because we know him? When we get to know Jesus, there are things about our lives that should shift. Nothing should stay the same. We should be a whole new person. We'll get to know that he's a savior and where they're saved. That, he, that he's Lord, that he is ruler, that he's a healer, that he's a keeper, that he's a provider, he's a protector. I don't want to go down the list. Um, I get excited. But he is everything that we could ever imagine and ever need. And that's what happens when we get to know him. And then we respond appropriately. We're able to run to the throne and say, God, I'm in need. I need you to heal me. God, I don't feel safe. Protect me. God, I, I have something wrong. I need you to provide for me. All right. Amen. Um, the thing Jesus wants is for us is obedience. And what he's saying here is that with all the great and amazing things that you can do in my name, it does not matter if you are disobedient. You would think, God, how can I do things in your name and not be obedient? You said that we're going to do, you know, you said that greater works shall we do. You know, I'm doing the works, God. I'm not, I'm not being disobedient. Yeah, yeah, you are. Um, and one of, the, one of the, the greatest things that I've come to realize is God doesn't want to share the same space with the posture of disobedience. 
So we're in our hearts, if our hearts, if our minds are saying, hey, I'll do this later, Jesus. Or, I like my sin. Hello? I like my sin. It is fun. I'm good. God does not want you to share that same space, that same attitude. He's like, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm holy. I'm set apart, and I can't be with these things. I want to be with you, but I can't be with the crap that you have. And the, the, biggest, the biggest portion of disobedience that I've seen in, in uh, Scripture is in the Old Testament. Um, I love the Old Testament, and I'm going to paraphrase this. You can look it up. It's in 1 Samuel. Um, I want to say 9. And so the story about this guy who became king, his name is Saul. And so Saul had just been made the king of Israel, right? Um, and it was time to go fight the Philistines because they did a lot of battles in the Old Testament. Um, and he attacked the Philistines. He ended up binding off more than he could chew. So his whole army was scattered. They were hiding in caves. Um, they, were, they were just shook. They were scared, right? No one to do. And there was this thing, this kind of piece of culture where we would make the sacrifice or we would do some kind of worship before we went out to battle. And the prophet that appointed Saul, Samuel, was like, hey, wait for me seven days before you do the sacrifice, and I'll come do the sacrifice, right? And Saul was there waiting, and all of his people were scared. And I can imagine, like, being there, like, they're like, well, mm, I'll just go ahead and do it, man. I'll go ahead and do it. Samuel's not going to be here. He's late. And Samuel comes at the last moment. I imagine, like, the sun was setting on the seventh day, and right before that last little ray of light got up, Samuel was like, yo, I'm here. And then Saul's looking like, ooh, I already made the sacrifice. I already went ahead and did what, you know, we typically do before we go to battle. Uh, let me clarify, there's nothing wrong with the sacrifice. However, the instruction said to wait for Samuel. Saul messed up. And in the Bible, read this, it's in the Bible. Saul messed up his whole entire kingdom. He forfeited his whole entire kingdom because he wasn't obedient. There was nothing wrong with him sacrificing. However, because of his disobedience, he lost everything. And here comes King David. That's a different story. Um, but there, there are things that we can do that we end up just losing everything. And Jesus says, you know, multiple times, Saul won the battle, which is great. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount earlier, um, he says that they have their reward. While I was reading all the chapters in the Sermon on the Mount, it's very long. Um, I was reading them all. I saw that pop up multiple times. Like, oh, they have their reward. Yeah, they got theirs. Like, they have their reward. And what does it look like for people not to do things in to do in the humility, to do the right things, but not do them in the humility that he asks us for. Um, for. For example, Matthew 6 and 2. It says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do this in the synagogues and on the streets, in the church and out in the street. Um, to be honored by others, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Like, that's great. They got a reward. Everybody knew that they did something. But I don't, I don't know about you. The reward that comes through obedience is a whole lot different than the reward that I can make on my own. It's like going out to eat and paying for your own food versus going out to eat and having somebody pay for your food. The food somebody else pays for always tastes better. <laughs> okay? <laughs> like, so I, I want to eat, eat what God has. I don't want to have to make my own thing. Let me be obedient and walk in the reward that God has versus the reward that I will take upon myself to get. 
just like these, these folks that Jesus speaks of, Saul got his reward and won the battle, but lost his kingdom. God longs for obedience over all of these things. I think that's the, the key portion of these three verses is obedience. God says that if you love me, keep my commandments. True relationship, you learn to accept the things that he has to say, right? A true relationship with God is marked by obedience. I think of it in the garden, and Brandon, you can go ahead and come up. So it's going to be really short today. I meant it. Bless the Lord. Um, in the garden, Adam and Eve walked with God. There was all these beautiful trees, all the birds, I'm pretty sure, like toucans and stuff, just flying around. It was really, really cool. Amazing. But also, God came down and walked with them in the garden. Can you imagine how like, amazing it must be to have your creator walk with you and just hang out? Like, yo, Adam, let's play spades. Like, it was, that must have been really, really cool. Like, I can't imagine just how cool that is. But through disobedience, the moment after Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and life, or good and evil. They immediately closed themselves and they hid from God. Without even knowing it, our disobedience causes us to hide from God. We can't enter a relationship with God and be hidden. It doesn't work like that. There's no good relationships that come out of people keeping secrets. Disobedience leads to secrets. And the funny part about it is there's no secrets from God. I don't, I don't, let's, let's not us as a body get caught up in what it looks like to be disobedient. Let's, let's, let's pray. Um, God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for what you're doing and how you're doing it, Lord. And right now, um, I'm going to raise my hand. I would like everybody else to raise their hand if you, if this applies to you. I've been disobedient and I want to repent. Well, I've done some, some great things. Even in your name, Lord, I've done some great things in your name. But they haven't been what you told me to do. Or I have not done them the way that you told me to do them. And right now, I repent. God, I turn from that wicked way of disobedience, Lord. Help me to turn towards you and to leave, uh, live, live, leave a life of disobedience behind. It's something I don't want to continue doing. I want to move forward in a freedom and in the purpose that you've called me to. Help me to love you, Lord. Show me new ways to love you. This is not something that I innately know, Father, but it's something that you can help us with. So we ask that you would teach us new ways to love you. Teach us new ways to honor you. Teach us new ways to keep your commands, God. And that you reveal your commands to us, God, even more so that we're able to follow them. We thank you for strength. Word it says, I can do, Paul writes that I can do all things through God who strengthens me. This is exactly what he's talking about. I can love you through your strength. I can be obedient through your strength, not on my own accord, but on yours. So right now we renounce the ways of disobedience and we open ourselves up to your light and to obedience in your word. It's in your beautiful matchless name that we pray. Amen.